Talking to girls is hard. Oh, I know. I am a girl. Talking to me is hard. But I'm going to make it easier for you because I am your banter coach, the go-to banter guru, your banter bitch, your no wit all, the one who's going to teach you how to get her to respond, how to be charismatic, how to say witty things, and how to never run out of things to say. But how am I going to teach you all of these things? Simple. I've done this now hundreds of times, and I have step-by-step instructions, fail-proof methods, exercises, and tons more that'll get you communicating in a way she can't resist. So go to kristinandchill.com to get banter coaching like you cannot find anywhere else. I promise you there's nothing else like this that exists in the world. You've got quite a special diamond here. So use this special diamond to help you find your special diamond so that you can buy her a diamond. And yeah, okay. Anyway, go to kristinandchill.com. I can't wait to see you there. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. If you like what you're listening to and you want dating tips and strategies directly from me, Then you can get in touch with me by shooting me a text to the number 310-299-9139. Up until now, only the best clients of mine had personal access to me. But now, because so many guys ask my personal help regularly, I'm building a private texting community where I answer your questions, give you killer tips, and just make your dating life smoother and easier than ever before. Even if you're not just dating and you're married, I can help you with that too. So just shoot me a text at 310-299-9139. I really look forward to hearing from you. All right, text you soon. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have best-selling author Joshua Spodek back on the show to talk to us about BJs again. I don't know, this guy's got a thing for BJs. I wonder why. But not just BJs, how to get them and how to build attraction and really seduce everyone around you, not just your dates. So keep listening. Hey guys, welcome to the Ask Women podcast. We made it back for another one. Congratulations. It's your host, Kristen Carney, without Marnie Kinris, but that's okay because I kill it without her. So you guys are good to go with just me today because We have such an awesome guest who's been on the show before. He's a professor of leadership at NYU and a best-selling author, Joshua Spodek. Hey, Josh. Glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this because how we ended last time was so... It was like a cliffhanger, it felt like. It was literally, no pun intended, a cliffhanger because it was about getting a blowjob, right? So it was about the boner. Yeah, not just... I wouldn't say getting one. It's more like giving one. It's more like creating a context where both parties really love it. Yeah. So Marnie and I remember we had a lot to say about this. So we're going to pick up where we left off, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, good news for the dudes because we're going to retalk the BJ stuff, which people who've listened to the show for years know that it makes me incredibly uncomfortable. So they like hearing me squirm. That sounds perverse, but they do semi like hearing me squirm. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about how that can apply to other areas of getting girls and succeeding in life and how seduction essentially works in all these different facets. 
Yeah, except they call it leadership in business and politics in the rest of the world. That's a little more PC. It's amazing how much when you get this stuff down, I mean, practicing it in your love life, in your dating life is a great way where you get immediate rewards. But man, when you graduate and take it into the rest of life, into career and business, getting hired, getting promoted, it's so useful. And it, I have this book, it became a bestseller. And I have this podcast where I have all these amazing guests on, you know, Nobel Prize winner and Super Bowl winner and the McKinsey's three-time global managing director. I'm talking to them and in my head, I know that what I'm doing is based on the proper blowjob, how to make a blowjob <laughs> happen. And I'm like, you guys don't know where this is coming from. And I hope I don't- And that they're about to give you a blowjob. Yeah. But the context was that when I got into the attraction learning world, I was in my 30s. And so by the time I got good enough to become a coach and I worked with Brad P, late 30s, maybe even early 40s. And so I was in New York, so I was getting a lot of just everyone, but also I would get almost all the guys who were coming out of a divorce, coming out of a long-term relationship. They hadn't been in it for a while. And I heard this common thing that they would say, Josh, I got married. And that was about the last blowjob I ever got. And they didn't like this. And I would ask them, did she not like giving them? Was she like tricking you into a marriage or something like that? And they said, no, she really liked it before. And I spent a long time trying to figure out how does it happen that two people who both like an activity, how did that turn into a source of friction, a source of, of contention? And I learned that a lot of times the guy would think, if you frame it as thinking, you, the woman is giving me something, then I'm getting something from you. And it's a transaction and the emotions become transactional. And if you're giving something that you have, there's an infinite supply of, and I'm giving you in return, like, dinners or money or diamonds. I don't want to sound too crass, but like inflation happens and eventually you can't afford it anymore. And you also don't like it. It's like give and take as opposed to just a joyful experience. Okay. So when you say this, you're indicating a husband providing for a wife and then the wife in turn kind of paying for those services. What about in marriages where it's an equal share, where the woman also pays for things? What have you found in that situation with the BJ exchange? Well, they're not coming to me for the guy's not coming to me because the divorce happened. So that's why I like it. Okay. So you're not really interacting with guys who have a woman who is contributing financially because generally you would think that they'd be in happier marriages and then they wouldn't get to the point of divorce. Is that the. I can't say all the different other types of relationships there are. It's just that one common thing that I saw was that guys who are now single after long term relationships, one of the things that would happen to them is that. Oral sex became for them a transactional thing and then it went away. Yeah. Well, as a woman, and I know Marnie and I said this before, we understand how that can happen because it's a very intimate experience. And so if in a marriage there becomes problems, the woman does not feel like this easy breezy desire to be that personal and that connected with a part of her husband's body it's a very vulnerable type of situation. So if a woman's unhappy, the last thing she wants to do is put his dick in her mouth. So what can men do to make women want to continue putting their dicks in their mouth? I hope, I pray Hi, my family yeah. never hears us. God help me, please. I'm saying a prayer right now. So that they're not, you know, they're not looking at their husband like, oh, I'm mad at you and I have all this tension. The last thing I want to do is be that intimate. How can we change that? I want to preface my answer that it's not just for men. This is Yeah, like are men going down on women? Yeah, also, I mean, the last person I coached on this was, I mean, it was informal, but this woman was listening to my stuff and she contacted me and said she really loved it. And she told me about how she, she's actually in a very loving relationship. It's great. But there was some stuff that her boyfriend wanted that she wasn't really that into. And I started telling her about the same 
stuff except switching male for female. And she got back to me and was like, this is amazing. I didn't know I could enjoy it so much. And then she could enjoy coming back. And he's like, he wants to thank you. So I haven't met the boyfriend yet. <laughs> so I'll say it as if I'm saying it to men because that's what I'm used to. But the idea is that there's the physical activity and there's the meaning behind it. And the meaning behind it, and let's say it's what people want out of it. So the way I would say it often to men is that every woman who likes giving blowjobs likes them for her own reasons. It's her own unique mix. And there's lots of different reasons. Maybe she likes to give him pleasure. Maybe she likes to be submissive. Maybe she likes to learn new things and grow herself, develop skills. Lots of different reasons. And there's probably a little bit of lots of them for different women, but each woman has her own unique thing. So if you guess that it's one, but it's actually a different reason, there's going to be a disconnect. If, like, Say she likes to do it because she likes to bring pleasure. And you, the man, thinks that she likes it because she likes to be submissive. And you say things like, oh, you like taking it that way. That might be something that he would expect she would like. But if she actually wants to give pleasure, it would be far more effective. He said, oh, that feels good. That feels better than last time. So the thing is you have to, partly you can tell from her behavior, but the thing to do is ask. But before asking, you have to show that you're going to listen and be supportive and non-judgmental. And another way to do it is to, with your dirty talk, go one way, go another way, see what she likes a little more and ask her what she likes, find out what she likes and go in the direction. So if you say submissive type things and she doesn't respond, maybe don't go that direction so much, but basically find out from her asking and responding in a supportive, non-judgmental way, what turns her on about it. Okay. And so are you saying in the process, say these things to her, what about before to even get her to do it? Yeah, the whole time. So if you find out that there's a woman in your life, for her, it's all about just developing skills and getting better. She just wants to give the best blowjob ever. And it's nice that it feels good for you, but really she just wants to learn and grow. I'm sure there's lots of women like that. Then I would say to her things like, wow, that last one you gave me was the best I've ever gotten. I bet the next one's going to be better. And so saying to her, what can I do to help you get better at this? What do you not know? Okay, let me cut you off here as a woman. If I wasn't in the mood to give one and we're married and you're like teasing me about how good the next one's going to be and I'm already off the course of them to begin with, that's not going to do it for someone who's not wanting to. So what do you do in the steps before to even get to the point where you can say, you know, that last one was great. This next one's going to be even better because we're not at that point. If the wife doesn't want to give them, it seems like that conversation is hard to get to at this point. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, context matters. So what I was saying there is in the context that you're lying in bed, you're all you both turned on to some degree. And if you're not there yet, ideally this is happening. What I was saying is when the relationship is developing so you can find out what these things are about. Okay. And for that matter, you also have to check if she's really into submissive and you yourself are submissive, it might not work. I mean, those things can work, but what it means to her and what it means to you, hopefully there's enough overlap. So if she likes being submissive and you like being dominant, that can match very well. So you have to figure these things out. The relationship might not work, or at least the sex part of the relationship might not work, and you might have to not go on. Yeah. So what you're saying is the foundational level, when you're maybe first getting together, this relationship is first blossoming. You make these differentiations between what she likes and what you like. It could overlap, of course, but you want to learn from the beginning of a relationship so that down the road when you might get into a sticky situation, literally no pun intended, because there's not going to be any sticky stuff, then this dominant submissive stuff can help. I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm kind of lost at what we're doing like before 
to make this thing even possible. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you're talking about submissive and dominant, but I thought we were going to talk about like a relationship that wasn't going well at all and how to reignite those blowjobs. And it seems like dominant and submissive at this point almost seems too far gone. Yeah, I was talking about how to set up a relationship in the beginning so that you're not going to get in the situation where it feels transactional and she feels like, I'm going to give to you, you give back to me. Got it. So if you're very early on and say you've met through friends, you're on a date and you haven't had sex yet, at that stage, you're doing actually the same process. I recommend, among many other things, doing the same process, but now you're doing it very earlier. So you want to find out what makes the other person, what brings them to the game? What do they look for? Now you have to find out if that doesn't match with you, you might want to just keep it as a friendship or pursue it with someone else. But if you see a potential match, you want to make them feel comfortable sharing what motivates them, what they feel passionate about. And by the way, they normally won't share that because that's what makes them feel vulnerable. I mean, what we care about most are tends to be our greatest vulnerabilities. So if you make them feel comfortable sharing what makes them vulnerable, but also what motivates them, and you connect what motivates them to a task, which could be furthering the relationship. In business, it might be, if you're leading someone in business, it would be giving them a task like what you have to finish this report by Friday. But if you can connect what motivates them to the task, that task will feel meaningful for them. And they'll do it for their own reasons, not yours. Right, right, right. So how do you do that? How do you connect those things? The main thing is don't presume that you know why they're doing it. If you do, you're almost certainly going to be wrong. And even if you're right, they don't know that you're right because if they haven't told you, they figure you got a lucky guess. And they know that you're doing things for your reasons. They don't know that if they don't think that you know their reasons, then they, they're going to presume you're just doing it for yourself. So if you simply go to someone and just say, hey, what are your passions? What's your greatest fantasy? They're probably not going to answer you. If you don't ask, you won't get any answers. So before you even ask, you have to behave and communicate in ways to make them feel comfortable sharing these things, which is to convey that you will respond in a supportive, non-judgmental way. I mean, there's lots of other stuff going on. There's touching, there's eye contact, there's things like that. But this is just one piece of it. And in my experience, teaching someone, it gives someone experience practicing that. If you just say to someone, behave in a supportive, non-judgmental way, that's kind of hard. Yeah. It's storytelling, it's eye contact, it's how you respond when she talks to you. But to me, this is the, one of the most important things in, in any relationship that's ongoing Yeah, is to let them know, communicate through your behavior that you will listen to them, that you will take in what they say, not talk over them too much. So for a practical example, so that guys listening can really wrap their head around this as well as myself, can mm -hmm. we use me as an example and connect my passions with my motivation and see how this would apply in the real world? So if a guy was on a date with me? Sure, in a sexual or non-sexual way? Either or. Or is that like the most like laboratory sounding? <laughs> <laughs> in a sexual way. It's like so unsexual. Either or, like if I was on a date with a guy and he wanted to know my passion and he wanted to know my motivation to then serve him and our relationship potentially down the road, how would we do that? So I'm going to, can I tell you like my passion or can you get from me my passion and my motivation so we can hear this working in real time to have a real life example? Yeah, it's a little funny because... One of the things I've learned is it's great to turn someone on. And I love turning women on. I love women turning me on. But I learned not to escalate when we're not actually together to consummate. Because then if you get excited and then it goes away, I don't want to be associated with like not... Don't worry. I, you don't know me well. I'm not going to yeah. get excited. This is... <laughs> believe me. It's oh, not I'm not worried excited. about that. It's just, okay. it's just the context for me. is so sterile. It's tough because we're not in the mood right now. No, 
so I work with guys teaching them how to banter. And we do, inter, like, we fake real life banter situations so that they can kind of grasp the concept of how to do it. So then once they're in real life, they know, okay, I already saw it working over here. Now, how do I apply what I worked on in real life? So essentially, I'm almost looking at it as an equation. So I want to give you my passion and my motivation. And I just want to have a discussion on what we can do to harness that in a way for leadership or seduction or whatever it may be so that guys can actually see how this connects together. Because talking about it is great, but putting it to practice, I just think would be clearer for them. Uh So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work because I've never done this before. Okay. I'm inclined to do it first if we could do it for what this context is. So if I could lead you in a podcast sort of thing. Of course. So it seems to me, podcasting seems like a passion for you. It seems like something you really enjoy. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) I did at one point. No. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So when you're doing it, what are you doing? Is it bringing knowledge to the world? Is it you having fun doing banter? Is it making money? Is it... It's me having fun doing banter and making money. What's fun about bantering, if you don't mind? I enjoy it because I think I'm good at it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I participate because it probably builds my self-esteem in some sort of subconscious way. How's my banter going so far? You're a little stiff. You're a little little stiff, stiff, but you're trying and it's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Am I getting better with time? Yes, you are. You are. So it does take me a little while to warm up with someone. And so I appreciate that you're being very kind and patient. (laughs) If it happens that I keep getting better over the course of this, And just say we get to the point where it's like really fun and really good banter and we're playing off each other really well. Is that the sort of guest you like to have on the show? Yes. My enjoyment and appreciation for podcasting goes through the roof when I'm having a great back and forth with someone. When we do an episode where I'm really not allowed to say anything and it's kind of a lecture of just the guest, just kind of dishing out information, my soul goes into my feet. And it fits there perfectly because that's about how big my soul is at this current juncture in time. Is that but, also planned on soul? Yeah, yes. Good call. Good call. See, look at this. You're getting amazing. You're better than I am. Oh, you go on. <laughs> so my enjoyment for podcasting really goes up when I have the right rapport. And then what happens is I become alive and I feel safe and I feel like I'm in the right place, which I can equate to being on a date. You know, all of a sudden, if that's happening. Do you also feel when you're on stage with an audience that you can be more open? than you can when you're even talking to friends? Yes, 100%. I get that too. You do stand up a lot, right? Yeah. And I've only done eight open mics, but it feels amazing. Suddenly, I'm not there yet, right? I've practiced a little (laughs) bit, but I feel like now I can finally say these things I've always wanted to. It gives you permission. It's really strange. It almost is like a permission slip from a teacher that the teacher doesn't exist and there's no actual permission slip. But when you enter a stage scenario, you no longer operate under the same rules as people in a normal social setting for whatever reason. And actually last night, I am somewhat talking to or seeing a guy. And one of the pieces of conversation that we really focused heavily on was he has a really loud, not loud, like literally loud, but he's very witty and sarcastic. And it gets him in trouble because he works in a professional setting. Whereas for me, it doesn't get me in trouble. It actually helps me. And so I said, I chose this route almost as a way to get away with who I am because he has to hide who he is. Whereas I use my career to get away with it. It's like a journey into yourself in a certain way. Yeah. 
and finding yourself, I guess. So if our banter keeps growing and keeps getting really good, do you ever have regulars on your show? We used to a little bit, not so much anymore. Did it go well? Did it not go well? It did go well. Yeah. The Well, we used to have a co-host or like a third, well, not really co-host, but he was like our sound guy and he was great with banter, but he went away because he ended up getting fired from the podcast network that we worked for. And then we just never found anyone to replace his energy. And so we just kind of did away with it. Well, not to say that I'm going to get there, but if it did <laughs> get there, would you consider me having me as a regular? If it got there, yes. But you don't have the same energy that he did. So it would definitely be not filling his shoes, but bringing a completely different energy into the show. If that makes sense. Okay. So I'm going to pause right here. Before we started, my goal was to get you to want me on to another episode. Okay. And what I did was, and people can go back and listen, I, I was kind of on the spot, but what I was doing was finding out what mattered to you, what you liked about the show and being a host and connecting that to what I wanted. And I felt it. I really did. Even though it was completely impromptu, and I'm sorry, I kind of threw that on you, but I wanted people to see a working version of what we're talking about because it seems so meta in a way that actually applying it, I think would be helpful. And as we were talking, you woke me up. You got me to talk about my passion. I enjoyed you much more. Not that I didn't enjoy you before, but I felt more of a connection because I was allowed to open up and really express what I like and what makes me tick. I felt like you were seeing me. And I think women have this desire to be seen. They want to be seen by the guy that they're with. And when you're not seen, it just kind of shuts you off and shuts you down. And it doesn't make you want to open your mouth and put a dick in your mouth. But when you feel seen and you feel understood, your inclination toward that goes up. I'm not saying it guarantees it, but it definitely goes up. So what you did there was make me feel more excited to be with you because you were showing interest in me. And all of a sudden, it brought out your personality for me as well because we started connecting on a certain level of like, isn't it crazy that you can say this on stage and you can't say this in real life? All of a sudden, it's like, yeah. So we were having a shared experience. Therefore, then I felt safe. And I'm going to describe the specific technique that I used because people heard what I said, but not underneath what I was doing. So first, I asked you, what was the passion behind it? And you gave some answer, banter was part of it. And then what I did after that was I would ask, my goal was to ask confirming and clarifying questions, but to avoid not open-ended questions, not like, oh, why do you like banter? But like, what does banter mean to you? And like, can you give an example of banter? I I forget exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was not doing, I was not asking broad open-ended questions that, see, once I ask what's a passion of yours, that puts you out on a limb. Hmm, why does he want to know that? I've asked you to be vulnerable. Right. Because when I know what you care about, I can manipulate you, I can laugh at you. But if you protect yourself, that can't happen. But then we also don't get to know each other. If I then start talking about myself, I did talk about myself, but only to set up a question for you to share more about yourself. And when I was talking about being on stage myself, that was actually a little deviation. I took a risk there because I was, you could think, oh, is he just talking about himself? But I think I wasn't doing it too much. No, I think it was great. I think it's necessary in a way to share anecdotal evidence that you're understanding the person. You didn't go on and on and on where then I'm like, all right, buddy. Okay. A good story, bro. It was a quick little, here's an anecdote of why I relate with you. And then you threw it back to me to keep me opening up. So I yeah. thought it was perfect. I knew that after what I said, what I said about me, I would say, is that what it was like for you? I mean, I teach almost this exact same technique when I work with corporations. And a lot of people think that if you ask too many questions that are just confirming and clarifying that the other person might be like bored, when I have someone do this with me, I feel like at first I'm like, 
if someone says, what's a passion of yours? And I start talking about some passion of mine. And then they ask me confirming, clarifying questions. At first, I feel like they're saying, what are they getting at? I just told them the answer. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then as long as they don't start talking about themselves over me, then I get this feeling like, oh, they really get that there's something really awesome inside me. Finally, I can share that thing I've always wanted to share. Yes. So people who know me know that I, like, I do burpees every day. That's one of my calisthenics is like one of my routines. And if people say, oh, why do you do burpees? My usual answer is, I don't really want to go into it too much because there's a lot to it. I've done 150,000 burpees over almost 10 years. So it's like, there's a lot there. And if someone just asked me a little bit, I'm like, do I want to work up the energy to go into this? Probably not. I'll just say like, yeah, it just, just keeps you in shape. And if they're like, oh, it keeps you in shape? I'm like, yeah, it's something I do. And if they ask me a little bit more, then I'll say like, yeah, it adds structure to my day. Once I start talking about structure, then I really love talking about what they mean to me. That meaning, I don't want to get into it unless I know the person's going to listen to me. Then I really want to get into it. And actually what I'm saying, people listening can't see that when the person being asked shifts from, why are they asking this? To, oh, finally, I can really share that thing. Their eyes open up, they often lean forward, and they start giving answers beyond what you asked. Yeah. And I had that experience because when you first asked me, I almost felt like I was in an interrogation room and I'm like, okay, how is he going to use this information against me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're doing and, it meta. You were thinking, you're answering me and you're thinking, where's this going? I'm sure. Right. Right. Well, because I'm in a scenario where obviously I know to look for things beyond, but in a normal everyday situation, if you asked me that, I probably wouldn't have been as suspicious or something, but I did feel like, okay, why? And what are you going to do with this? And then we broke that boundary to where then it became, we're doing something good with this. Oh, and it became a relief. And then I think in that relief moment also came the ability to feel that connection. Like, oh, thank God. Okay, cool. He's cool. That's this technique. Yeah, it's great. So if you don't mind my going there and stop if you don't want to, but when you get into a relationship with a guy, what do you look for? If you don't mind sharing. No, I don't. Oh God, I could talk about it all day or torture myself with it all day. And you guys. I'm looking for someone who is on the same wavelength thought-wise as me, perceives the world in a similar way as me, same sense of humor, someone that I feel at home with, and then obviously ridiculously hot. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, you don't want someone ridiculously hot? No, I would like to be attracted (laughs) to someone. They don't have to be ridiculously hot. But if I'm attracted to someone, obviously that's necessary to make me want to do things. Let's say you're really attracted to this guy. How does that manifest itself? Is it you want to be closer? You want to, do you want to do things for him? You want him to do things for you? Ah, it just, oh God, it's hard because I'm trying to think to guys and I think they all have a different thing they made me want to do or experience or be within their world. And a healthy relationship, not, not where I just want a guy to like me. What I want is to feel like I'm there for the person, to feel like I'm their person. And this is in a healthy regard. If it's someone that I'm just super attracted to and maybe not as attracted to me, I just want them to approve of me. So it's two different scenarios, I think, for me. Let's go healthy. I like healthy. Okay. (laughs) So in a healthy one, can you describe again what you're looking for? It's for them not to... I didn't hear depend on you, but not be dependent or... No, just to be their person, to be like a sidekick in a way. I love the feeling of a co-pilot in this crazy world where you two are the team and you can defend each other against the world. You're both almost in your own little movie. It's a movie of you two. And I like that feeling of that kind of connection. Really, it's not like depend on me necessarily, like they can live without me. I've never been a dependent type in terms of like 
wanting someone to depend on me or wanting to depend on someone else. But I want the dependence to be within the relationship itself, if that makes sense. Let's see if I get it. So say you're with a guy, you've met each other enough to know each other pretty well. And everything you do when you're going out or is it in bed that you feel like, is it co-pilot or two co-pilots together? Two co-pilots. We've both been flying the same amount of time. We have the exact same amount of hours we've logged. No plane crashes. No, there've been plenty of plane crashes. But yeah, no, in an equal sense. And are we talking intimate relationships? Are we talking everything? Well, intimate, yeah. Like I'm thinking boyfriend, like committed relationship boyfriend where you're best friends and you're also sexually attracted to each other. I'm just trying to figure out how, so far have you found out what makes you a great co-pilot for him? Good question. Well, then it makes me think about, huh, am I even that aware? Because I don't have an immediate answer for that. I don't know. I really don't know what would make, I mean, me being there to share their life with, I guess. I'm partly thinking about in an intimate situation. Have you found out what like a particular boyfriend's greatest passions were, his fantasies? Passions, yes. Maybe fantasies, no. Ooh, would you like to know? Yes. Yes. And I answer that slightly hesitantly because I, in one way, being a neurotic, cynical comedian type, I think those fantasies would just trigger too much comedy in my mind. And so I, if I did know the fantasies, I would probably want to bust their balls about them. And then once we get past the ball busting phase, move into, are we actually pursuing these fantasies or mm. not? But I tend to like to make remarks and be jokey about everything. Okay. So there, what I heard is the big picture is yes, you would like that. You're a little nervous because you have this tendency to indulge yourself in, in something that you really like and you know that that might mess things up. Yes, I would indulge myself with all the jokes. And I would want them to be able to go along with the jokes and know that that's just part of the process for me to get to the other side where there's no awkwardness and there's no like judginess. But I have to go through that phase first mm -hmm. before we get to the we're comfortable, let's actually pursue these fantasies. I have to do a stand-up bit about their fantasies first. It's not going to happen unless I can. And not that I have to do it in real life, but I have to do it in front of them in real time and joke about it. Part of me is really dying to find out why that has to be, but I'm going to table that for a second <laughs> and ask, I mean, I love the idea. I mean, there's a few girls out there who have told me outright, like, I've never shared that with anyone. I didn't believe it could happen. You've made a fantasy come true. And there's a couple of women who've done that for me. And it's kind of weird how... Like I do something with a woman and then a whole bunch of porn that I used to like is like, I did it better. Right. Like, I've lived better than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like meeting a celebrity, but you're more successful eventually than that celebrity. Yeah. I mean, I, I really love when that happens. I'd rather have the experience than the porn. Yeah, of course you would. That's awesome. And is that something, have you ever done that? Is that no, something? No, no, God, no, no, no. I'm so neurotic. On that note, I want to get back to this, but I just realized uh, we're pretty far in and I haven't taken a break yet. So huh? we're going to get back to this in one second. So keep listening. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle, and that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. And we're back. And we're going to wrap this up quick because I don't want to take up too much of the show with just me indulging myself because Marnie will get very mad at me. So let's finish this and then we'll keep on chugging down this seduction train. Okay, so would you like to make a guy's fantasies happen? Yes, if I'm attracted enough to them, yes. So if you use this technique that I've been talking about, instead of a guy using it with a woman to get her to enjoy blowjobs, if you did that with him and you found out what his passions were and you were able to connect those passions or if you found out his fantasies and you can connect them to what you wanted out of the relationship, he would share these things with you. So if you yeah. practice this technique yourself, yeah. next time you're out on a date with this guy, assuming you like him, if you ask him what motivates him, what are his passions, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go straight for like, what's your greatest fantasy at the beginning? And then just ask confirming, yeah. clarifying questions. I predict that he will respond as you did and he will be like, he'll want to share more and more with you. Yeah, it actually makes me feel kind of excited because in a way it does feel like you have a sense of control or, and I don't want to use the word power, but I can almost picture being on like this date with this guy that I really like and asking these questions and then kind of getting to this ultimate place of extreme either fun or pleasure and it not just being up to the gods, whether it happens or not. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, That's this a great is, feeling. Yeah, and all of what I did just now was using that technique. My goal originally was to lead you to practice my technique yourself, but for you to do it for your reasons, not mine. Right. So I found I was going in a direction of what you wanted in a relationship. And my goal was to find out what you want in a relationship and show how you can get what you want in a relationship by using my technique. Right, right. I love it. I'm literally using it. I just hope he doesn't listen to this episode before I do. Until after. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's what feeling. you did. Actually, a lot of people come back to me and they say, now that I know how to do this, how do I get my boss to do it with me? How do I get my girlfriend to do it with me? And it's right. really... It's amazing when someone does it with you. I once had a client, this is in a business setting. So normally we work for an hour and on the phone. And this one time I'm talking to her and we're like 50 minutes into the hour. And I realized, oh my God, I've just been talking about myself the entire time. I said to her, I'm really sorry. I can't charge you for this because I've just been talking about myself. And she goes, I was using a technique. I was practicing it with you. I was like, oh my God. Wow. Taste of your own medicine. She was like, I'm fine to pay for it because she was practicing it. And I, I had no idea. I didn't pick up on awesome. it. I created it. Awesome. So I don't think he'll mind. You could even tell him, hey, I'm going to practice this with you. Because what are you going to do? You're going to find out how to make his fantasies happen? Not such a bad... Like, I'm fine with that. Right. It's a win-win, really. Yeah. Yeah. This is... A lot of people think of leadership or seduction. 
well, I'll use it in leadership terminology. They think, I'm trying to get the person to do something they wouldn't have done if I didn't lead them, so they don't want to do it. It's not that they don't want to, it's usually that they're inhibited. This is much more about lowering the inhibitions and allowing them to do what they already wanted to do. Yeah. So people say they're on a date and they both like the other, but they're both so full of the cliches and protecting against what happened last time. And this cuts to the heart of things. And people might listen to this and think, oh, Josh got lucky because they're talking about stand-up and he's done stand-up and they got something that was just lucky. It always works. Everyone is so multifaceted that there's always a couple facets that match. Yeah. Now, it's not a guarantee. I mean, it could be you can match on a few things and things you don't match on are so great that you don't want to make a relationship out of it. That could happen. Yeah, but I believe that everyone can talk about anything or can relate to anything. You don't have to necessarily be obviously an expert or experience it firsthand to have at least a little something to either add or say about it. And I talk about with my banter clients, this thing that I call the conversation tree, which is essentially just the trunk of the tree is a topic. It could be any topic, but for this conversation, you and I, it would be something that you don't know much about. So if it's, say it's makeup, something easy that guys probably don't know about. So you put on that tree makeup and you're on a date and this girl's talking about makeup. You go to the branches of this tree. You do this obviously in your head very quickly, but practice it beforehand so it's easier. But you fill in the branches of that tree with anything and everything that you can think of that has to do with makeup. Doesn't mean you need to know like what mascara is and what contouring is, but like even like you put in one of the branches, the Kardashians. So then you go to that branch and you can talk about how they wear a lot of makeup or whatever it is. It can be the littlest thing where you can interject an understanding of what the person's talking about. You're reminding me of a banter exercise that I learned like years and years ago. And it was very similar to that. And this to me also reinforces a technique of learning, which is, I'll put it how I often put it. People want to learn dating. I'll put it in terms of like learning to play piano. Maybe someone wants to play Carnegie Hall. They want to play their heart out. And when it starts, the scale, you know, you start with a scale and the teacher says, put this finger on that key, this finger on that key, this finger on that key. And you're like, that's mechanical. That sounds like a robot. I'm trying to play my heart out. Right. And yet everyone who plays Carnegie Hall started that way too. There's this magic that happens when you do these basic drills and then you emerge. Exactly. And I've always kind of used the analogy of it's like learning advanced math. You can never get there unless you start doing things on paper first. Yeah. So eventually you can start doing problems in your head, but before you can get to that point ever, you have to learn long division by hand. You just do. Yeah. And so as an educator... Yeah, it's an education but anyway. Go ahead for you. I was going to say as an educator, it's, it's my job not to give people a bunch of information. I can tell people, here's what you should do. It's to give them exercises so that they practice them. And at first, you're going to be kind of wooden at this, at anything. The first bunch of times, it just doesn't come out right. And you have to work your way through that. At the beginning, there's always these feelings of, I've been doing this for a week or month, a year. I'm still not getting it. This isn't worth it. It's too hard. It's just not me. And getting through those things, like that mental, everyone who's gone through it has had the exact same feelings. But when you're feeling it, you feel like you're personally the only one suffering through it. Right. It's a process. It's like amazing to eventually bloom. And when you get to the blooming part, you'll look back and go, oh, it was worth it. Yeah. And that's why when I, some people look at how I teach attraction, teaching seduction, like you're making it mechanical. You know, I was just watching some videos of Roger Federer playing and he's just a magician. You know, he's just doing crazy stuff that no one ever did before. When I took tennis lessons as a kid, the coach like took my hand and moved it like for me. And this is how it feels. Literally like a robot. Yeah. 
And I mean, back when I was coaching guys out in the field, I would like say, like, walk up to her and say these things in this way. And then he'd be like, okay. And he'd stand there and be like, I'd nudge him with my elbow. And after a little while, you know, sometimes it would take a day, sometimes it would take more sessions, but then part of my goal is to make it fun for him. So he'd enjoy it. But eventually you get to where you don't have to think about the line. You don't like the purpose of a line isn't to be tricky. It's to give someone a scale to practice. Absolutely. And now, I mean, I coach when I had the Nobel Prize winner over for my famous no packaging vegetables too, because he lives nearby. And I walked <laughs> him through, you can listen to the episode. You can listen to all the episodes of my podcast. And you can hear me doing this with almost all of them that I asked them, what does the environment, because I'm the podcast of mine is the Leadership in the Environment podcast. I want to bring leaders to the area of the environment. And I asked them what the environment means to them. It's very similar to what's your passion. And then I have to go back and forth a few times until they share something very meaningful. Because usually they start with some cocktail party answer. It's not really them. Of course. Oh, it's yeah. the kids. It's, you know, the children of our future. And, but, you know, they cared about it before they had kids. And, and then something comes out. Because my TEDx talk, I usually refer to my sledding hill. Because when I was a kid, I had this sledding hill. And it's not what it used to be because of pollution and all the stuff. And when that comes out there, I ask them, can you think of something for you to act on what you care about? Not what the New York Times says you should do. You know, I'm sure you've read 10 tips about the environment what you could do to act on what you care about. And again, they'll be kind of waffling and not really, they'll say like, oh, I'll go without straws. But that wasn't related to their, you know, maybe they said that when they were a kid growing up, there was an apple tree at the end of the block that got paved over. And it was, someone told me that. And if they say straws, that doesn't necessarily connect with that. But once that comes out, then I ask them to act on what they care about. It's coming from inside them. Everyone acts like, oh my God, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Thank you for the chance to do this. And it's the exact same technique. It's seduction, it's leadership. And if you want to hear examples, listen to my podcast and listen to, it's usually the end of the first episode with each guest. And they like it. They, you know, they thank me for them picking up garbage, for them avoiding, I don't know, buying meat for a month or something like that. Right, right. It was all awesome. And I honestly, I'm so glad that I was like, do this with me as an example, because it kind of woke me up in a way as well to feel more passionate remind me why I like podcasting and all that kind of stuff. So I highly recommend looking Josh up and guys can work with you or people can work with you yeah, as I, well as obviously check out your podcast. I mean, people contacted me after my last episode with you guys and they were like, okay. teach me dating. <laughs> but mostly my coaching now is, is with executives and, and people looking to move up the ranks really quickly and boost their career. I see. But as I said, that woman contacted me, not from this podcast, but just reading my other stuff. And she was like, tell me some stuff. And so I worked with her too. Well, cool. So, well, this was all super helpful. I know that I'm honestly, I sound, I feel like I sound cheesy saying it. Like, well, this was really helpful. I'm (laughs) going to use it, but it really is. And I really am. So thank you for making my dating life better. We're going to wrap up the show, but tell me where people can get in touch with you. And we know the podcast is the Leadership and Environment Podcast. Yeah. But then uh, please fill me in on the rest of the details. Sure. Everything's at joshuaspodek.com. And in the upper right corner, there's contacts. You can contact me. The first book is Leadership Step by Step. Second one is Initiative. And really the TEDx talks are also a good way to get what my big environmental leadership focus is now. And if people want to contact me for coaching and things like that, joshuaspodek.com is where to find me. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I'm about to go give a BJ. And... (laughs) And uh, thank you everyone for listening to the show. As usual, thank you for sticking around for all these years. Please write and comment and share the show with a friend. I'm sure you have them. You guys are cool. 
hit me up if you need my help with banter or making your profile look better to get those girls to swipe right. And you can do that at kristenandchill.com. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Don't be a nerd and download individually. Subscribe. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.